to True Crime Stories with Crimatorium. In 1980, Michelle D. Gates was 13 years old and living in Oregon when she was suspected of drowning a four-year-old girl named Ruth Ann O'Neill, known as Ruthie to her family and friends. Because Michelle was Ruth Ann's babysitter and she had taken her for ice cream that day, she was brought in for questioning alone on two separate occasions. Police confronted her on some inconsistent statements she had given, after which she admitted to drowning little Ruth Ann. This is the twisted saga of Michelle D. Gates. Michelle's mother, Diane, was a teenager and in an unstable marriage. Because of this, Michelle was being raised by her grandmother and step-grandfather. When Michelle was 11 years old, her step-grandfather, Norman Reese, shot and killed his stepdaughter, Michelle's mother, Diane, in her home after finding her with a man late at night. He believed that she had been drawn into a life of prostitution. He was charged with first-degree manslaughter and sentenced to five years. These early events in Michelle's life no doubt shaped her perception of the world and taught her how to resolve issues with others. Before Michelle admitted to killing Ruthann, she was asked to theorize on what she thought was the motive for her death. First, she told him she thought she had been killed in a sex crime. Then she changed that to possibly Ruthann's mother had accidentally killed her. When the police didn't believe her stories, she admitted to killing Ruthann. Michelle told the police that she took Ruthann for ice cream to a shop called Herfie's, and afterwards, they changed into their bathing suits with the promise of going swimming in Michelle's above-ground swimming pool. Michelle said she purposely held Ruthann's face down in the water until she quit moving. After drowning her, she redressed Ruthann and picked up her body and threw it, or some sources say she placed her body on top of a garbage heap in a neighbor's yard, as her body seemed to be placed in a purposeful way. She was barefoot, wearing blue corduroy pants and a blue sweater. Her body would be discovered by a volunteer after Ruthann's mother reported her missing. As it turns out, Michelle also helped in the search for Ruthann after the report was made. Ruthann's underwear was later found in a nearby shed and her boots were found in the Herfie's dumpster. It was later determined by the coroner that there was no indication of sexual assault and that Ruthann had died from drowning. During the questioning by police, she surprised them by also confessing to killing her three-year-old cousin, Natea Atino, by pushing him into a duck pond at the Washington Park Zoo while he was in her care. 
This was two years earlier in 1978, when she was a mere 11 years old. At the time, authorities thought it was just a tragic accident. Michelle's grandmother, Deletta Reese, sought counseling for her after her mother and her cousin's deaths. Deletta would later tell a reporter that the psychiatrist had never heard of so many tragedies in one family before. After Michelle admitted to these murders, she was taken to the Donald E. Long Juvenile Detention Home, where she reportedly confessed the murders to several of the residents. She was soon charged with Ruth Ann's murder, not as an adult, but as a juvenile. She was never charged with her cousin Natea's murder because of her age at the time it occurred. She spent nine months at this facility while the courts were deciding on how to proceed with her case. It was eventually decided that her confession to police would be thrown out due to her not being read her Miranda rights. Later on that year, in 1980, prosecutors tried a different angle. They wanted to use what Michelle had told the other girls at the facility as evidence against her. This, too, was rejected by the judge due to a rule that juveniles receive a trial within 30 days of the charge. All charges against Michelle were dismissed. A second petition was filed. This time, it was to make Michelle a ward of the state, stating that she was a danger to herself and others. This petition was passed and she was placed into the custody of Children's Services Division, now known as the Child Welfare Department. Michelle was sent to a state school in Maine for disturbed children, where she was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder with schizoid and passive dependent tendencies. While she was at the school, prosecutors fought and won the right to reinstate the charges against her. Defense attorneys argued that she had been programmed to kill due to her upbringing and was unfit to assist in her defense. When Michelle turned 18, she was assessed again, and it was determined that she was able to be tried. Michelle had been living on her own at this time, and it was discovered that she had been volunteering as a swimming teacher at the YMCA in Portland. Once the YMCA was informed of her background, she was removed from her position. In 1985, when Michelle was almost 19, she was convicted as a juvenile for the murder of Ruth Ann. Her defense attorney argued that she learned about immediate and self-gratification from her mother and from her grandfather that the way to solve problems with others was to kill them. She was ordered to be in the state's custody until the age of 21. After that, the courts no longer had any supervision over her. It was agreed by Michelle and her attorney that she would need mental health care for the rest of her life. Both Ruth Ann's and Natea's mothers attended the proceedings and were understandably upset and bitter with how long it took to get justice for Ruth Ann. Ruth Ann's mother, Gail O'Neill, once told a reporter that at the time Michelle was babysitting for her, she thought Michelle was the sweetest, best-mannered, best-behaved girl she had ever known. The O'Neill home, which was occupied by Mrs. O'Neill and her two daughters, Bethany and Ruthann, 
had been burgled right around Christmas. The only items stolen were gifts that were meant for Ruth Ann, gifts that Michelle helps Mrs. O'Neill pick out. The O'Neills had planned on moving shortly after Christmas. Sadly, Ruth Ann was killed before this could take place. On a side note, this would not be the only tragedy that the O'Neills would endure. Ruth Ann's first cousin would later be convicted of killing his mother and stepfather. He is currently serving life without parole in the Oregon State Penitentiary. In April of 1991, Michelle had legally changed her name to Michelle Shorthouse, and she was successful in having her juvenile records expunged. In 1992, when Michelle was 26, she found herself in trouble once again. She was engaged to a man named Joe Shorthouse, who was fighting for custody of his five-year-old son from his ex-wife, Lisa Mackey. Michelle also sought revenge of Lisa for getting her fired from her job after informing them of her past. With Lisa Mackey out of the way, this would allow Michelle to adopt Joe's son after they got married. Michelle hatched a plan to hire a previous boyfriend of hers, Anthony Johnson, to murder Lisa and set her house on fire. Lisa Mackey, who was newly married herself, was on her honeymoon when Johnson set fire to her house and destroyed it. Shortly thereafter, an anonymous call came into the Bellingham Herald newspaper and informed them of the murder and arson plot by Michelle. The call was traced and it led back to Anthony Johnson. Johnson agreed to cooperate with the FBI and several calls were taped between Michelle and himself discussing the murder plans. In one of the calls, she instructed Johnson to kill Lisa's husband if he was present and was told to shoot Lisa twice in the head just to make sure she was dead. It was decided that February 21st or 22nd would be best since she would be in Texas for a job interview on those dates. Michelle went to trial and pleaded guilty to paying Johnson to set fire to Lisa's house and hiring him to kill her. She was sentenced to 15 years in prison. In 1997, she filed an appeal stating ineffective counsel and that there were inaccuracies in her pre-sentencing report. Her appeal was dismissed. Her fiancé at the time of the plot, Joe Shorthouse, was never charged in connection with this crime. Michelle was released from prison in 2005 and completed her probation in 2008. By this time, she was married to a man named Mark Leland. The couple had two children and were living in Glendora, California. In December of 2018, the family was visiting a home in Colville when police were called to the home for a shooting incident. When officers arrived, the victim, 51-year-old Mark Leland, who had been shot twice in the abdomen, was able to recount to them what had happened and who did it. The owner of the home, Susan Alexander, handed over what she thought was the weapon, a 357 Magnum pistol. Leland was transported to a local hospital where he died later that night. James C. Gates, father of Michelle Leland, formerly Gates, 
was arrested for the second-degree murder of Michelle's husband, Mark. He refused to answer any questions without an attorney present, but he did say the shooting was in self-defense. When Alexander and Michelle were questioned, they claimed that Mark pushed James to the ground, a claim that Mark had earlier denied to officers. His story to the officers was that he went into the garage and found James on the ground, and when he asked him what happened, James accused Mark of pushing him. Alexander and Michelle said they were in the house when the shooting occurred and that the two men didn't get along. Their demeanor was described as stoic and emotionless. James Gates was also described as being calm and collected at the time of his arrest. And when he was told he was going to jail, he asked how far it was that he needed to use the bathroom. James went to trial in October of 2019 and pleaded guilty to first-degree manslaughter and was sentenced to seven years. A GoFundMe was set up for Michelle and her kids for the death of her husband. Nothing about the manner of his death was mentioned in the description, only that it was untimely. As a result of Michelle's case, the Oregonians sued and won the right for juvenile proceedings to be open to the public. The Oregon legislature was also able to pass a bill as a result of this case that juveniles with convictions of murder or sex crimes on their record will not be able to have their records expunged. Despite how minutely Michelle was studied and the years that were spent on this case, no motive was ever clearly established for the murder of Ruth Ann. Ruth Ann's mother believed she killed her so that her sister Bethany could enjoy being an only child like Michelle was. She told an Oregonian reporter that Michelle once said to her, wouldn't it be really weird if somebody grabbed Ruthie and killed her? Bethany would then have all these toys and everything she wants would be hers and she wouldn't have to have a little sister anymore. Legal proceedings would later reveal that the motive of Natea's murder was jealousy. She felt in competition with him over her grandfather's attention. This same grandfather, who passed on the lesson to Michelle, that killing was the way to resolve issues. I have a small update on the case about the Racine County Jane Doe, Peggy Schroeder, which I covered on February 21st. A new trial date has was set for LaRoche for April 26th of this year. And as you may recall, LaRoche had been admonished several times for not having an attorney. Um, on April 5th, she argued before a judge that she wanted a different attorney than the one that was appointed to her. And she said, um, Your Honor, my life is on the line. Um, she indicated that she wanted to hire attorney Patrick Cafferty and he's been appointed to her, so the trial will surely be delayed a few more months uh, to allow him to review the case. Um, an advocate for the Schroeder family was present and asked the court, what about Peggy's life? What about her family? We're right back to square one at this point, and we were so close to getting the justice Peggy deserved. Her life mattered, and she wasn't trashed to leave on the side of the road. Thank you for listening and watching today, and until next time, take care.